Hello, everyone. Uh, this is uh, your host, Shashi, here with episode 22 of the Indian Diaspora podcast. We took a break for a week last week, but we are back again here. And I'm joined with by my co-hosts, Vijay, Neeraj, and Vishwas today. Uh, we're going to be talking today about how in the diaspora we connect with each other and how that has changed over time. You know, our, experience, our experiences have changed themselves over the 30-odd years that we've been out in the West. Um, and especially with uh, you know the advent of technology and all that. So I think uh, that'll be an interesting discussion um, to talk about today. Let me start this off, Vijay, I think with you, because you played quite a seminal role in putting together an alumni database in the very early years when you were still in grad school. Do you want to start talking about your experience arriving in Delaware in 1993 and then why you took on the task of creating that database? Yeah, that was uh, those were interesting, very early days of uh, of the internet, Shashi. Uh, maybe before that, I'll talk a little bit about what motivated that. So when I went to Kharagpur, uh, this was the first time I was far away from my family, as I'm sure all of you were too. Uh, my family was in Delhi. Kharagpur was a thousand kilometers away in Bengal. And once we were there, we were pretty much cut off from any kind of even idea of running back home if something happened. So you had to make things happen on campus. And because Kharagpur was also somewhat remote, uh, it, you know, some of the other IITs are in major cities. You have lots of distractions outside, but Kharagpur really didn't have that. So we really had to, uh, together in the in the hostel or across hostels with all these activities, organize and, and do things to keep ourselves happy. And I think during those four years is when I discovered my love for, uh, I guess, I, I don't know what to call it, community organizing or something like that, where, you know, all these events that our hostel used to participate in, I mean, a lot of these were sports events or social and cultural events uh, where medals were involved. And at the end of the year, you know, which hostel won. I found that I really took a lot of joy in uh, pulling people together and, you know, geeing them up and, you know, bringing the crowd to the games. And if there was an event at the hostel, helping organize that. So, I think that was something I discovered about myself during those four years. And once I came to the U.S., it was kind of similar, like similar to going to Kharagpur, where you're suddenly again going to a faraway place, uh, cut off from, you know, that community I had just built over four years, lots of great friends, including you guys. And those were not the days of the, you know, uh, easy access to cheap phone calls or internet. Uh, so we were in grad school, so we had one thing that we all got, which was a fantastic. Uh, uh, internet line, you know, it was a fiber line, etc. High quality internet, uh, and we all had workstations to work on during grad school. So one thing I found when I came to the U.S. was staying connected with friends you really wanted to stay connected with, who also had access to such facilities, was somewhat easy. Uh, during the winter of 1994, so I'm just remembering back. This was when I had started my research project. I was uh, during my master's. I was uh, doing a project at a hospital where they had a lab for doing all sorts of work in robotics, et cetera. And in that winter break during Christmas, when everybody sort of went away, I didn't get to go away. So I was wondering what to do with my time. And I was sort of missing my time in Kharagpur. And I decided, you know what, this whole internet thing is new. Uh, Mosaic was what we were using as a browser. Uh, there was all these sites that you could access. Why don't I build a site that describes Kharagpur? So I went and looked. IIT Kharagpur didn't really have a web page. So I started putting together over that week a site that uh, basically described campus life in Kharagpur. So I had pictures, obviously. All of us had some pictures. I scanned them. And I wrote pages that described life in the hostel, you know, the competitions, what the campus looked like, I had some pictures of the university. 
And I just put together these pages, which started getting a lot of hits. And then there was uh, one of our alumni who had recently started making big uh, donations to Kharagpur, Vinod Gupta. He started, he had started a couple of years before that, what is called the IIT Foundation. And now it's a very big thing. But those are the early days of the IIT Foundation. And he wanted to also bring alumni together and get great connectivity between the alumni who had left uh, and got, come to the U.S. I guess that was a starting point, but perhaps now it's all international. And they were putting together a site. And one of our uh, seniors from Kharagpur, I had not known him before, but his name is Pran Kurup. He uh, uh, contacted me and said, uh, hey, do you want to collaborate? So then I started collaborating with these guys. And uh, there was another uh, recent graduate who had come to the U.S. Uh, who was building the database. And I worked with them for about a year to build out the IIT Foundation site, uh, which really the whole point was to keep the people who had left connected and you know connect back to the university. And that was a really fun time because uh, it resonated with my desire to stay connected. Now, after that, uh, you know, I got busy with my PhD and lost touch, but I recently checked and that has become a really big site. But it's funny, right? Those were the days when people were uh, uh, putting together all sorts of uh, early sites. And, you know, I don't know if I had stayed on and done something interesting with that. Maybe it could have ended up somewhere during the internet days. But uh, that's, that's, that's what the early days were when, when we came to the U.S. And that was my little bit to try and stay connected. Sorry, that was long-winded. But that... No, that, that's actually, you know, that's a very interesting uh, intro into the whole thing, Vijay, because... I remember, you know, when I arrived in the U.S. in 1995, that database was just about going live. And it was a fantastic way of finding other people from our batches. And, you know, I God only knows what people were doing before that. But, you know, it was one of the very few places where you could figure out where people were and how to connect with them. At least it gave you an email address and a phone number uh, if you wanted to get in touch with people. But, you know, the sense of isolation that you can feel in the absence of that kind of information is fantastic. So Vishwas, can I just come to you? Because, you know, with the journeys that you've made into France and Germany, uh, you know, being away from the IIT diaspora, um, you know, you have experiences that are actually a little bit similar to mine. Do you want to describe what you did, if anything, to connect with people back then? Yeah, so uh, back then it was uh, more of... Uh, uh, what you would describe as slow uh, communication or slow media. It was uh, writing uh, to a few people, and those were people uh, from my school. And uh, then uh, we had, you know, we, we know what happened. And after that, we, we had uh, the social media where we have been able to connect through a lot of people, which is which is good. Uh, one of the things that uh, uh, keep striking and keep striking me about this is the a sort of a trade-off in terms of the quantity and the depth. So we <clears throat> we used to have a few connects because you are obviously limited by how many letters you can write and. Uh, we had a few connects, but those were deeper connects, or at least uh, even if the information exchange was not uh, a lot, but you do, did used to feel, uh, at least I used to personally feel a sense of deeper connect with the people that I used to correspond with. 
at that time. Uh, now the advantage, of course, is that uh, I'm able to have so many people in the groups that I am in, but uh, uh, the the depth of the connect is lost. So this is something that uh, uh, that uh, that I keep getting reminded of, and uh, the related thoughts about it, uh, you know, on things like deliberate design of uh, how would you like to connect with people, how this is emerged, uh, how to manage all this. You know, that's that's of course a slightly different thing, but but that is uh, how I have been seeing this, and that's in short, has been my experience. You know, that's so interesting, Vishwas. I mean, uh, you know, a bit like you, I mean, I followed a slightly unconventional uh, path after IIT and therefore lost touch with many people from IIT. But I had a few people that I was in touch with and those connects remained very strong. Neeraj, can I just come to you? I mean, you are the, um, the glue that holds our social network together. Uh, certainly in the social media age. But you were quite active in uh, connecting with people. And of course, you were at Virginia Tech, which had a huge hub of um, IIT diaspora anyway. Talk a little bit about what you were doing about connecting. So I remember my days of writing letters in that blue format that used to fold into a square and have the word air made on top of it. I'm sure you guys remember that one too, right? So how can anyone forget that I one? came from yeah. <laughs> of course. So when I came when I came to Kharagpur uh, from school, I used to write a lot of letters to my school friends. There were like few friends that we were very close and I would write postcards, I would write, you know, inland letters. So we did that for a while. But you know, uh, one thing was my dad was in telephone department. So I actually had an access to the phone within Azad Hall. And uh, he would call me, but calling back then was so expensive, especially because of the, you know, the uh, nobody had long distance calling at their home and everybody had to use the STD facility. So calling wasn't the optimal mode, but letters were. And uh, I would be glad to receive a postcard from a friend or family. When I, and when I came to US, then I started sending out those uh, airmail letters. Actually, in my first year, I wrote a 13 page long letter both back sides, front and back. So that's 26 pages, you can think of that way. And photocopied like 10 copies and mailed to each of my wingmates, which uh, for whom I had the addresses. So I don't know who got it or who not, but it's like 25 years back. But I remember writing a really long letter about my life in the US, the first year, how it went and sent it out. I know that uh, Ajay Pratap, who was my roommate and wingmate in Bangalore, seems to have a copy of that letter. So I need to retrieve that letter and remember, I need to see what, what I actually wrote back then. So letters were the, uh, not the norm. And even though we had email, I did not have email of everyone. <clears throat> and, you know, internet, Netscape, uh, yeah, Netscape was new. The email was, system was new. So I was able to connect with some few People that I was, I knew where they were, like uh, they were at Georgia Tech. So I was able to connect with people in Georgia Tech. You're right, Virginia Tech had a good uh, you know, KGP group, including uh, one of my batchmates and a couple of seniors, few seniors. So kind of contained that. But one day, I don't know what triggered me. Um, 
I ended up going to uh, Widget's site and I started searching for people and people started showing up over there. I'm like, this is the cash cow. This is the holy grail of IIT people. Vijay, you could have been the next Facebook, I'm telling you. But I use your website to extract emails or phone numbers, whatever I could get, and started connecting with people. And I made a couple of Yahoo groups. Anybody remember Yahoo groups? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> so while your website was awesome, you know, it did not have the chat feature. <laughs> We're all sitting here dating yeah. ourselves, aren't we? <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> yeah, so... So while you know your website had like uh, some question Q and A section where you can ask, hey, I'm looking for Vijay Jaitendra 93 Azad, all people can respond. It wasn't truly a chat feature back then, but Yahoo Groups had that chat feature. So I did Yahoo Groups for a long, long time. Then came, of course, then suddenly the whole you know internet, social media world evolved. You had uh, MyFace and Orkut and Facebook. The, the life completely changed immediately after that. Yeah, that's, that's uh, you know, that kind of interesting me. I mean, you know, so my own experience was, you know, back then, email and phone calls were really the only way to connect other than meeting people face-to-face. And if you were in a campus or, you know, if you were in a campus with a lot of other people from IIT, then that kind of allowed you to extend your network. If you were in Silicon Valley, I mean, even back in our kind of early days, there were enough people from IIT Kharagpur in Silicon Valley that you could start connecting fairly easily. But if you were in other places, that was just a little bit harder. Um, and I have to say that as a result, I had lost touch with uh, most of our classmates, including with most of you. Um, so we then start to see the advent of social media, starting with you know things like LinkedIn and Facebook in the first instance. So talk a little bit about how LinkedIn or Facebook allowed you to connect or not. Well, I think. Jay, do you want to go first? Yeah, I can. I can. So I think LinkedIn is a great uh, example of uh, my finding a lot of people. So I agree, uh, Neeraj. In those early days, the foundation was fantastic. In fact, I think a couple of you mentioned one of the features we implemented was called "Looking for." It was literally <laughs> anybody who was subscribed to the database would get this email saying, uh, "I am so and so." You know, we all called ourselves by our name and then hostel and department and year. That was the really standard way of telling who you were. And I'm looking for so-and-so in the similar format. And anybody who knows where that person is would then reply to that email and, and get you going. So that was a fantastic feature to find people. I think after that, the next spurt really from at least trying to connect with people, not in the family, but you know, people from uh, IIT days, et cetera, came through LinkedIn. And that was a few years ago when I uh, started. I just, you know, I guess I was, again, having a moment where I was starting to think about old friends, et cetera, and trying to figure out how to connect with them. And I started looking on LinkedIn, and I think LinkedIn had started reaching a point where a lot of people had registered there, and it was incredible. I found so many people from the past who I connected with, uh, and I think that was the next big phase of uh, being able to discover people from your past, uh, starting the conversation. And again, you know, some of them, you just said hi and you moved on, but that's that was very, very enabling. And then the last one, I guess, was... Uh, when we all, you know, for example, with our WhatsApp group, et cetera, WhatsApp has really enabled uh, people to stay connected. But in all that, I want to also mention a little bit about the written word, that physical written word that uh, Neeraj was talking about. You know, those days, <laughs> you guys brought back memories because suddenly the word inland letter, 
an aerogram suddenly came back to my mind, which, you know, we, I don't think we've seen any of those for, for decades now. But the means of connecting inside India was with the inland letter, which is this thing, blue thing, which you wrote on and you had to leave so much space and you folded it and you mailed it. And then the international version was the aerogram. And I remember recently, one of my cousins uh, was out with at his parents' place uh, cleaning house. They were moving and this was the chance to clean house. And he found a letter that I wrote at the end of our IIT days when I was trying to figure out whether I'd come to the US and I was interviewing with Telco at the time and I had gone and uh, stayed with them. And I gave a status update on what was going on. And it's, I read that letter and it was really funny. It was very earnest. I was describing what was going on in my life and, you know, this is happening and that is happening. And some of it almost like a report, but written obviously with a lot of love for a couple of my relatives who were curious to understand what was going on. And it took effort to write that down. You know, I can see it was clean handwriting and it was kind of detailed and again, as much as would fit in in the letter. But that thing has survived, right? Now, that physical sample, when I go back and look at it, uh, it still brings back memories. And I have some of these few artifacts. You know, if I go look, I've saved some cards and letters from the past. I don't know if I can say the same of emails and things of that nature, which, you know, we've exchanged over the years. How many of us actually archive? And I mean, it's just you get drowned and you, you know, but these things you can actually go back if you have these physical artifacts and documents. And that's pretty fascinating, right? So with all the connectivity we have and all the high level of communication we have, it kind of feels like it becomes noise to some extent, but those those mm. few things that you can look at really remind you of the past. You know, but Vijay, I mean, that's a problem in so many different places. You know, in, in the last week, I've uh, dealt with, you know, the ar archivists at my organization, but also the archivists at the British Museum. And the thing that they tell you is that there are beautiful archives of everything from the 18th century and the 19th century and so on. But the task of archiving anything today is impossible because that's just because there's so much noise and because everything is is in a digital format, which maybe in 10 years time you may or may not be able to read. The only way they're going around archiving things now is they go and search for the things that are important and print it out and keep a copy. So sadly, you know, when it comes to trying to preserve the memory of some of these things, we're still very much in the old technology world. Uh, but that's that's life. That's life. Uh, you, you know, make the cost of anything low and it just proliferates. Um, but then let's move the story forward and come to the age of. Um, and by the way, did they need a Vishwas? Did you want to add anything on LinkedIn and Facebook before we move on to more? Models? No. So the, except the difference for me was LinkedIn was like really professional. So it allowed me to kind of keep in touch with my professional side of the contacts and Facebook or could or MySpace was more of a social one. But I, I, I don't remember the distinction in terms of getting connected to me. Uh, at, at, there was a time somewhere around 2004, 2005, when I just wanted to connect. So I was just going left and right on internet, whatever source I could find to get somebody's email, phone number, or even the physical address. I would just use that to reach them out. So at that time, around somewhere in 2004, <clears throat> my motivation was find as many batchmates as possible and get connected. You know, it's kind of interesting that uh, LinkedIn came in and many of us did get connected on LinkedIn. But other than being connected in the sense that you sort of knew where people were, it didn't become a medium of conversation ever. Uh, and Facebook, of course, took a very different tack. I mean, I don't know that much about Facebook because I've never been on Facebook myself. But I think with Facebook, you know, trying to distinguish between 
your own diaspora, I mean, well, your own college groups versus every other group has been, was always a little bit harder because profiles used to be so much more public. But then we come to the age of WhatsApp, which I think has been uh, quite a different thing for all of us. Um, and it is the means by which, you know, our little group from our IIT Kharagpur days remains in touch, in fact, most actively in touch. Uh, all of us are on it, and all of us are prolifically active on it. Who wants to lead us off on the age of WhatsApp? I think Neeraj or Vishwas. Go ahead. Vishwas, go ahead. So I'll come back to you know the the theme that uh, was on the top of my mind. Uh, I think there is uh, an emergent sort of a adaptation that we have. So so we, we uh, uh, at least my in my view and definitely I have uh, not really deliberated about how I want to use these things. It has been more like a usage behavior that has emerged and uh, not a lot of thinking or reflection about how to best use it even after it has emerged. So that uh, I think is a point of regret in my case that uh, I did not uh, at any point sit down with a paper and pencil and think that, okay, how do I want to use this uh, in a way that, uh, or how do I want to balance these and use these different options that I have in a way that uh, uh, brings both depth of connects and uh, the the number of connects that uh, that uh, we have. Uh, don't don't get me wrong. There's there's a lot of benefit that has come from our our WhatsApp connects. You know some of uh, uh, the uh, the 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 meets one to one meets or or the get-togethers that we have, including this podcast that we do has been made possible through it. But what I am missing is more of uh, design so that we try and get the best out of all that we have experienced so far. Yeah, I guess, Vishwasana, there's a question there about whether social media is ever capable of delivering that or whether social media is just a conduit for you to connect with people so that you can do that in a different setting. Uh, you know, social media clearly cannot give you the one-to-one -one connect, but it is enabling more one-to-one -one connects than we used to have uh, in days past, in my view. Neeraj, you are the uh, probably the most active user of both social media and of using it to connect with other people. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, so what you just said, it is a tool, right? It is not a place to meet, it is a tool for me, my one of one of the goals, and Shashi, you have a similar goal, that wherever you travel, you say you are going to meet, you're going to visit at least one historic site. I have a similar goal that wherever I travel, whichever city I go to, my goal is to meet at least one person that I know. Could be from school days, could be my <clears throat> Kharagpur days, or could be even graduate days. So I make a very deliberate effort to say, hey, guys, I'll be in Delhi from this period to this period would love to catch up with you, even if it's not a group meeting, one-on-one -on -one meetings. So every trip, whether I go to Dallas, Vegas, Denver, New York, India, anywhere in India, I try to make sure that that trip has at least one face-to-face -face meeting with someone, right? 
And when somebody's visiting in Florida and I find out through their Facebook post or WhatsApp group, I make a, again a deliberate effort saying, hey, where are you going to be in Florida? Florida is a big state. So if you're going to be around me, I will come and meet you if you can't. So that's how I use that. Uh, people actually sometimes joke like, oh, you were looking, you were, you were monitoring me. I'm like, <laughs> you know, sometimes there's an algorithm in the system that shows, hey, this person is going to visit <clears throat> Florida. And take, take a month back, right? that uh, Rajesh Ghosh posted something about coming to Florida and then <clears throat> Chavla mentioned something about coming to Florida. I'm like, hey, if you're gonna be all there and you're in this vicinity, let's meet for dinner. And we figured it out literally within two hours what to do. And I was able to meet um, Alok, Rajesh, uh, Rajiv and uh, Chavla. So for me, that's the tool that I use to try to meet as many people as possible. Um, I've done so many one-on-one -on -one meetings in Pune and Mumbai. Uh, Delhi hasn't been successful because nobody wants to come out in the smog around 7 p.m., 8 p.m. But uh, I, that, that's how I've used it, just to get at least one face-to-face -face meeting. Well, and, and yeah, and, and you know, uh, the great thing is that you or whoever is having those meetings will then post pictures from that back on are WhatsApp groups, and that allows other people to actually form a sense of community. And I fully acknowledge the point that Vishwas made, that it's uh, not quite the in-depth relationship that you would want, but it's still there. Vijay, you want to come in? Yeah, I think, uh, by the way, Neeraj, what you do is amazing, and I try to do as much as possible of that too, but you, you are the master at that, and I think that's why you keep us also connected. But I think the other thing that this has enabled, like anything where distance is involved, you know, in the past, uh, things were slow because you were far away and communication was very slow. But now it has allowed us to create uh, community which is live across large distances, right? So in the past, like when we were in the hostel, we were surrounded by our friends and you would chat and news would get around very quickly. And then we got split apart by distances because of where life took us. And tools like WhatsApp, which I use more than, I, I'm not much on Facebook, but WhatsApp definitely, have allowed us to get back into conversation mode where it's a every day you can just be, if nothing else, saying hi and catching up with people and seeing what's going on. And you don't have to rely on, you know, strength of like connections through phone calls or whatever to get that information. You just get it. And it has helped amazing things, right? It has helped us to, uh, even in our own community of people, I guess, let's talk about the, our people from our hostel, from IIT days who are doing amazing charity work and being able to get people engaged in that and contributing to that, hearing about significant life events, which we would have never in the old days without communication even known that somebody, you know, either had a great career success or, you know, we unfortunately had some people at our age even passing away, untimely deaths, being able to, um, you know, reconnect even if those are the circumstances in which we do. And having that happen in a very organic, live way, even across large distances, is amazing, which we didn't have before. And we would have pretty much moved on in our lives and forgotten a phase of our life with most of the people who are part of it. This is allowing us to keep those connections live. And I think that has been an amazing part of what this technology Yeah, I think, you know, that's where I would agree with you, Vijay. I think, you know, <clears throat> to be able to have a connection and to be able to have a conversation, even though it's superficial, I agree, uh, is something that was much, much harder before. Uh, and you do have the choice of not engaging in it if you don't want. Um, so, you know, it's not like anyone's forcing it on you. But there's the flip side to all of this as well, which is like with all social media, there is a degree of polarization and uh, a degree of 
you know, what what one might call quite unnecessary and quite heated debates. And that has been a feature of our social media groups as well. Um, anyone want to comment on that? I will. So I will. So when uh, back when I was new to social media, except for LinkedIn, I would engage in these futile discussions. And it would be very frustrating for me to not understand why this person does not understand my point of view, whereas I get his point of view. I don't agree. But why is this person not seeing my point of view? It came to a point where I realized, you know, that all the discussion on social media was not to understand the other side. It was just to enforce your side. It was just to tell people what you believe and others should believe in the same thing. And indirectly, I was kind of engaging in the same behavior. So I actually stopped doing that. Now, of course, when you're in a group where 200 people are on WhatsApp or you are or you're in a particular Facebook group, again, talking about certain things, you definitely have some elements that will still engage in those discussions. Now, my thing is, I can't tune it out, but I can ignore to respond to it. And if I'm responding, I'm being very sarcastic or humorous, knowing very well that that, that may not be my opinion or that may not be other person's like, you know, like, <laughs> he may not like it or she may not like it. But I am now trying to not engage in any futile discussion where I have to prove myself or I have to put my ego over my piece that I'm not waking up to 2 a.m. like George Costanza thinking this would be my revenge answer and this is how will I get my revenge. So I've kind of taken, I've gone away from that mode. Uh, there were days that I used to do that and it was really frustrating. It was really disheartening. It was really making me angry. But since I've gone away, I think uh, I'm more 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 productively engaged on social media. <laughs> if it, if there's a word like productively engaged, so you know, Neeraj uh, Shashi and Vishwas, I guess one additional feature, if there was, was there in the in, in these tools, it is the feature that helped us fix all this in our hostel days, which was basically you would pick up the person and throw them into <laughs> into what was called the water. Like, sorry, yeah. pardon my language, but it was basically this large reservoir of water in every bathroom and you would literally pick up the person fully clothed and dunk them in if somebody was just being <laughs> painful. So maybe that's the feature that's missing in these tools. If we had a way to uh, throw this person into a pool of water, if they're just being, un, uh, you know, <laughs> unreasonable or saying stupid things, that would solve. Vijay, why are you being so crazy on this, man? Call it what it was. Completely. I think, I think, you know, that was the ultimate solution to all problems in and there's a virtual element of that that should come into all social media. But I think, you know, I think it's worth saying that there are two things that we've sort of managed to enforce in our social media groups that have maintained peace. You know, one is uh, keep out the adult content because frankly, it doesn't sit right with many people. And the second is that when it gets very argumentative, people do step in and either uh, calm people down or, you know, in a few occasions where people have really misbehaved, they have been kicked out of our groups, right? But otherwise, I think people are fairly free to express their views, uh, but, you know, do it in a kind of adult sort of way. And, and you're absolutely right, Neeraj, that, you know, in social media, you never convince the other side. All you can do is state your own side. Uh, but, you know, so long as people state their sides, you know, we have two sides of an argument. As long as people can stop being argumentative about it and peace can prevail, then I think that sort of common sort of element that you can have in social media uh, is 
productive. Otherwise, it can get very, very contentious. And, you know, we all know of horror stories of social media groups from which people keep dropping off. Uh, and it's kind of amazing that you can have that level of rancor in something where, frankly, the consequences are nothing. You know, if this was happening in real life, you know, you might actually end up in a fisticuff. Vishwas. Yeah, so I think uh, one of the things uh, uh, that uh, I think Facebook did some research on this, uh, and uh, this has been researched by uh, people in the academia as well. I think one of the things they found is that uh, the, the the dynamics of uh, social media is that you are not really engaging so much to communicate an opinion. You are engaging to get a response. And uh, that is the different dynamic. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, the Mishra, response... The baiting element of it is absolutely right, isn't it? You know, you're provoking people into a response. Yeah, and, and there is a level of gratification that uh, a lot of people get. Uh, I think most of the people get when they have posted gets a response. And uh, the, the final uh, link in this chain is that the more extreme posts usually get a response. So if you post a nuanced, uh, well thought out uh, 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 post that is educating to people, you are not likely to get a lot of response. But uh, if you post something that is, uh, that is angry or that is uh, ex expressing extreme views, then you are more likely to, and and that uh, is also in a in a media like Facebook that is also likely to be picked up by their algorithms for going viral, so that more people engage with it, and uh, uh, it just uh, promotes more more user participation in the platform. Absolutely. So I think one of one of the great things about WhatsApp is that uh, at least they're not pushing algorithm generated content or algorithm suggested content onto you. It's a closed group. Uh, if you don't like it, you know, you can exit. Whereas with some of these social media channels, this idea of being pushed polarized content is really, really difficult. But let me ask you guys, you know, on balance, uh, you know, I mean, we should also reflect upon you know, what people before us did. You know, we're talking of an age where telephone calls were expensive and therefore we were engaging in uh, in writing letters, but there was a time when telephone calls were not possible. You know, remember earlier in our life, you know, booking trunk calls and waiting for the trunk call to appear. And if you go back even further in life, even that was not possible. So, you know, life has definitely come on. On balance, do you think that all of this technology that's allowing us to connect has been helpful, unhelpful? You know, it's clearly been helpful in some ways and unhelpful in other ways. But on balance, where do you think you stand, Vijay? I mean, obviously, firstly, you sounded like me talking to my kids saying in the old days, we used to do things this way. But I mean, quite frankly, this is this has been a huge positive. I mean, the fact yeah. that I am so con I mean, connected to you guys, this might have been even hard in the old days, right? The level of connectivity we have now, we're using this tool on our mobile devices and chatting every week. It's been a huge positive and it's up to us to decide what we engage with and what not. And the, the fact that our WhatsApp group, because I know lots and lots of friends of mine who's hostel or high school WhatsApp groups have imploded because people can't get along. And the fact that we have this, you know, well-moderated group where we talk every day and people behave and we catch up with each other, it's working. So I think these are great technologies that have helped us do things with much more, you know, spend less time in the friction and more time in the 
And actually, you know, if you look at this, uh, sorry, Neil, just one second, you know, uh, and if you look at the sort of more meaningful discussions that we're able to have on this podcast, uh, this is a symbol of the kind of discussion that you would want to have, but may not have happened had we not connected through social media in the first instance. True. Sorry, and Neeraj. I think, uh, yeah. no, 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 no. So I, I, I think, you know, technology is a tool, like I've used that word, it's how we use it. So uh, you can use a car to drive to your friend's house, have dinner with him, or you can go there to freaking kill him too, right? Or you can just drive over somebody. So I think it's it's not the technology's fault. It's how people have started to use that. Now, I'm on WhatsApp, I'm on Facebook, I'm on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is more around telling the world what I do professionally. I do that a little bit on Facebook too. But for me, it has been hugely positive, especially when I've given up, you know, picking fights with the strangers or even known people about my opinion on certain things. Uh, and again, it's opinion, so who cares? So for me, it's been a hugely positive as I've been able to connect with people. <clears throat> One of the things it was surprising was that some people have changed over time and, and, and I'm glad to have connected with them even through those changes. And some some changes were for good, some changes for, for worse, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter, you know, I, I'd love to stay connected with the folks that I've worked in the past, I've lived with in the past, and I've hung out with in the past. So so for me, it has been hugely positive. And uh, <clears throat> Vishwas, to your point, when you mentioned Facebook, some did some research on the usage of social media, sounded like how Philip Morris did research on the benefits of cigarettes. So that's how I was connecting the dots on that one. <laughs> yeah, and, and I like the comparison, Neeraj. I... Uh, you know, how do you use technology and uh, the way you compared it to a car? Because my view on the question that Shashi is asking is that it is a sliding scale. The The technology has benefited the people who have been older. And as you go to the younger generations, I think the benefits... Uh, uh, the be- benefits versus harm equation is sort of inverting. The, the the younger the people, the more the harm it appears to be causing. And uh, it is like the car. You know, how are we giving this car to very young people to drive around? Uh, and, and you have uh, instances where, you know, instances like cyberbullying and so on, where the, the people are not really skilled or or in complete uh, understanding of how to use this and and there are no guardrails so so that is uh, something we know how to protect ourselves we have had uh, you know years to develop uh, uh, skills interpersonal skills and uh, skills uh, uh, you, you know what would be emotional intelligence skills but uh, children have not and yeah. and and that i think uh, is uh, is is a matter of concern for me yeah, you know, Vishwas, I mean, I think, you know, whether this is a, uh, you know, tool of mass connection or a weapon of mass destruction, I think that debate will carry on. Uh, I have to say that even in our group, it's taken a bit of effort to get to a level of moderation where the group is generally sort of adding value to all of us rather than becoming just a contentious thing to talk about. I think, you know, that's a topic that we may want to return to, but I think, you know, let's leave it there for today. I think we can all agree that there are some useful things that come out of social media that have allowed us to connect and allow us to do things of the kind that we're doing today with this podcast. But it's not an unmitigated good, and it requires a lot of effort to extract value. 
Um, I think let's stop at that point. We'll come back to this point about you know how to make best value out of social media, but we've gone on for long enough. Um, let's leave it to stop at uh, stop at that point. Uh, we'll see you again next week for episode 23. But in the meantime, uh, I would make the request that we've made before again. If you're listening to this, please do rate us and write us a review. It allows other people to uh, to search us and uh, and find us through your own podcast platform. Uh, if you can take a moment to do that, that would be much appreciated. Thank you again from me, Shashi, and my co-hosts Vijay, Neeraj, and Vishwas for episode 22 of the Indian Diaspora podcast. <laughs>